Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Hello, this is John Barrett, and welcome to Collecting Conference. Today, we're going to be talking with Katie Chinakas, who has accomplished in so many different areas, I can't even begin to mention it, to the point where you just have to go, really, did she do all of that? Yes, she really did do all of that. And I've had a similar, though not quite as accomplished, background where it's like, I can't believe you did all those different things, and I found that out when we were playing Three Truths and a Lie at work. And the Three Truths and a Lie is an interesting way to break the ice, nice icebreaker, gets people talking, gets you to find out a little bit more about them, and then you can ask them questions. In fact, that's my bit of advice to you. If you're trying to make small talk at a cocktail party or whatever, make sure that you're asking people questions. Have a couple of questions you can ask them. I love that hairstyle. Where do you get it done? That is a very interesting choice of shoes. Tell me about your shoes. There's a lot of questions you can ask, but get the other person talking. You don't have to fill in all that space. People love to talk about themselves. And people have very interesting backgrounds. And I guess I didn't realize how interesting mine was until we were playing Three Truths and a Lie. And of course, because I don't like to follow the rules, my lie was that I told three truths rather than two truths and a lie. When my coworker heard the three truths, she didn't believe any of them. They were all very strange, very bizarre. And I had to prove all three of them. And she said, I didn't know about that. I've known you for a year and I didn't know any of that. Well, I tend not to harp on that. And she said, tell me something new about yourself. And I did every day for about three weeks until she said, stop. I just can't believe you've done all that stuff. And we've never heard any of this. And the problem is because we don't typically talk about what's been done. We don't focus on what's been done. We focus on what there is to do. And that's actually the Zagarnik effect. Uh, Bluma Zagarnik was a Russian psychologist who talked about that, the fact that we look at that void in front of us rather than the accomplishments behind us. And they studied waiters. And waiters knew which plate goes to which spot. They knew who had ordered what right up until they delivered it. And as soon as it was delivered, they started forgetting where things went. But before that, they remembered everything because they had to. That was their job. It was their to-do list. Once it became a to-did list, once they'd done it, then it wasn't something that they committed to their memory. They didn't focus on it. And we tend to do that too. We tend to look ahead at what we haven't done rather than focus on the accomplishments of what we've done. And I think that's an important thing for our self-confidence is to say, hey, I've done a bunch of stuff look at this. I know I can do a bunch more. I've got some time and I've got some skills. I'm certainly much smarter now than when I accomplished these other things. So what can I accomplish going forward? But we tend to not look at it that way. We tend to look at someone else who got a master's degree and we didn't, or someone else who went on a vacation and we didn't, or someone else who got a new job and we didn't. We tend to look at what we haven't done. We tend to look at what's ahead, that void of what's ahead, our to-do list rather than our to-do list. So let's try to focus on the to-did list. Now, my guest today is Katie Chinakis, and she has been an actor, director, musician, a ton of stuff. And one of the things my favorite is she's done some voiceover work. Just to give you a little sample of what she's got, here's some voiceover work from the reel that she has on chinakis.com, her website. Take a listen to this. 
come willingly and I won't have to use deadly force. Although, I really want to use deadly force. We don't like good. We like daring, bold, ballsy, authentic. That is why we came to Netflix. The new Dodge Charger Hellcat. Born in Detroit. Raising hell everywhere. Listen, Bill, we need to talk about Tommy. Don't tell me he wrecked the convertible. No. Monster truck. No! The dragster? No, you wrecked that. It's the hovercraft. We don't have a hovercraft. There's the problem. Hi! <laughs> Unexpected here. You weren't expecting me, were you? Mm, maybe um, what's missing is a little more loving? Like McDonald's. They're rebooting their menu with unexpectedly low prices. That's the kind of unexpected treat everyone's loving. At the very moment when I was sailing through the air, it was amazing! That was awesome! <laughs> and she's awesome. But there's no one way to do confidence. That's one thing. So her way might not work for you. My way might not work for you. But it's important that you find a way that works for you. Find out how you can gain that confidence. And one of the biggest things is to get out there and do stuff, to try stuff, take a shot at it. Because it's like riding a bike. It might not work the first time. You might fall. But if you keep going at it, you can learn it. It's like tying a shoe. It doesn't work the first time. After a while, you start to learn. You start to remember. By the end, you don't even have to think about it. You're so good at it. But in the beginning, you can't even do it. You can't tie your shoe. You have to go to someone else and have them tie it for you. So be aware of that. Confidence is not something that I can bestow on you. It's something you have to find for yourself. You have to go to where you're at, figure out where you want to get to, and figure out what steps you need to take. We'll try to help you along the way. And if you have any questions, you can send them to me in email, and I'll be happy to try to answer them for you. But it's really important that you get out there and do stuff, that you try stuff. You don't just sit back and watch other people and go, wow, look at them, wow, look at them, wow, look at them. Get out there and do it. You might fall a little bit. You don't have to put that out on social media and say, look at me, be a failure. Just keep trying until you get it. People often will try a long time before they succeed at something. And then they post it online and you go, wow, look at that. The person's awesome. So make sure that you're getting out there and doing it. Life is short. Show up for it. Get out there and do stuff. And we're going to talk with Katie Chinagas about that and a bunch of other stuff. So stick around. Joining me now is Katie Chinakis. She is an actor, director, producer, author, poet, filmmaker, voice actor, model, musician, life coach, industry coach, and my favorite podcast host. Welcome. Thank you, John. I appreciate being here. Thank am, you so much. I'm excited for a, a cool conversation. I am so glad that you can be here to talk about confidence because as I look over the things that you've done, it all just reeks of confidence. So I'm hoping that we can get a lot out of what we uh, talk about today. My first question, and I've done over 40 episodes, and I've gotten a different answer from everybody on this one, but to you, what does confidence mean to you? In a nutshell, well, congratulations on your 40 plus thus far. In a nutshell, confidence, what it means to me is very simplistic. It's showing up, period. Showing up. You show up for yourself. You show up for other people. You show up for humanity. You show up for the universe. You don't know, yes, no, left, right, in between. Uh, all that stuff will work itself out later. But the most important thing to do is showing up. It's more than half the battle. When you show up, and you just be, everything else will fall into place. It'll work itself out. 
you can take it as it comes. Showing up is the number one thing to do. Excellent. And I know recently you showed up to a launch of a release of a new record. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. It's named Dreamland 1111. It's my first debut solo album under my birth name, Kiryaki. Kiryaki uh, is a saint. In the Greek tradition, we're named after goddesses and saints, gods, and my yaya, my best friend, Kiryaki. She's 92. She's going strong. She's amazing. So I'm named after Kiryaki. And so at St. Kiryaki, it's streaming everywhere, everywhere you can think about to get a podcast, to listen to music. We have videos on YouTube under Katie Chinakis. Dreamland 1111 was released on my birthday, 1111. And it's all about an exploration of claiming one's power and reclaiming one's power through divine femininity and not only divine femininity in female, in all genders and breaking down societal norms and gender identity of a, a, a man's world or a guy supposed to feel this way. And it's okay for a guy to cry and it's okay for a guy not to like be the breadwinner and make all this money and go slave himself while the woman's at home cooking or raising children. Like, you know, like, you know, we're so tough on the, the quote unquote men, right? Like what a real man is. And, and so it breaks down gender identity so we can be human and be fully expressive artists and human beings and exploring it, the yin and the yang and everything in between together. So um, that's what Dreamland 1111 is about. I grew up in the um, Michigan and the um, Detroit electronic music underground scene. So it's EDM music. And I love EDM music because it's a different format of with the radio, you know what you're going to get in EDM music. It's you don't know when the drop's going to come and when something unexpected is going to come. And if you're quick with music and you're good with rhythm and rhyme and dance and you you feel it and you're like, I know when there's going to be a drop, that's cool. But when some when a, when an artist can take you on a journey and then they the person who's like used and comfortable to the unexpected to give that person an unexpected unexpected pleasure twist and turn is like kind of the minute details that I think is very intrinsic while creating music and it's like poetry because when I write poetry through books and language written poetry spoken word poetry when I'm making the music um the beats it's, I'm speaking a language of my emotions, not sound vibration words, but sound vibration beats from synth. I use synth uh, electronic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just went on a tangent about that's how passionate I am about emotions. That's good though. <laughs> we'll, we're going to talk about your poetry in a little bit, but when you're writing this music or producing this music, how do you get your inspiration? Mm. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm feeling something. I just get my devices and I start making the music. I'm on, I'm in New York city. I'm on a train. There's people looking at me. I'm a HSP. I'm a highly sensitive person. I, I forgot, you know, my sunglasses. I feel like eyes are all on me, staring at me. I'm very sensitive. I'll just put myself into my beats and I'll start making beats like on the spot, like while I'm in route traveling, while I'm around the world, feeling different energies and synergies, different highs and lows, just meeting people, culture, food, tasting it. And I want to document it right through language, through laying down a podcast, writing a poetry piece, putting the, the, the feelings that I'm feeling in my body sensorily 
putting it into the beats so it becomes music, maybe re recording audio to it later, maybe writing something that's audio and I put it into the music. So they go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I don't know, I'll just create it and then I'll take different things and I'll connect them later. And who would you say, I know that you'd taken a, a DJ class, but who would you say are the musicians that have really inspired you? I went to DJ music school for one year, actually. I, um, I took many classes. We had a new class every six weeks for one year, for 52 oh. weeks. Um, yeah, I became a certified DJ uh, just because it's my passion and love. And so I wanted to understand the technique and the fundamentals of the education of the machineries and understanding what kind of DJ I was to become because there's so many different kinds of DJs. It's overwhelming. So I really wanted to dissect it. But my favorite DJs, I love Bad Boy Bill. He's a great uh, DJ from Chicago. He's a house DJ, he's a personal friend of mine. Why? Because I would go to Motor and I would go to places in Detroit and I'd be a kid and I'd be dancing my heart out and I would be sweating and he'd be right there and I'd be pumping my heart and going out of my body and like ecstasy and my heart would be just like racing and beating and I was just dancing to the music and I felt so alive and invigorating and everyone dancing and screaming you know next to me who are just feeling all the music collectively we shared that that vibration you know so I remember what it's like when I was a kid and the way DJ Bad Boy Bill had me feel Frankie Bones, Carl Cox, Diesel Boy, Plastic Man, Fat Boy Slim, like, I mean, the Beastie Boys, Insane, Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Eminem, like, you know, I saw him performing at a Halloween party before everyone knew Eminem was Eminem, he was performing with Wu-Tang Clan, and it's 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 Eminem right there, and it's Wu-Tang, and it's me right here, I was like, yo, you know, so those things excite me, and they still do, like, now, like, you can hear it in my voice, I'm, like, jumping over here, right, <laughs> um, and that's what matters. What makes you come alive to the person listening, you know, to John, to me, what makes us come alive when, when we find and know what makes us come to, to life, we're going to attract that like energy and those kind of vibes and those kind of people. And we need more people. There's a famous quote my friend sent me really recently, but we need more people to become more alive in, in their own lives. Like that's what the world needs life living. And you and your life have done so many things. I want to talk just a, a little bit about the spoken poetry, which I found fascinating. And that's online on your website. I was mesmerized by, I almost lost my heart in Monaco. Mm. And I just thought that was so cool. And I have not seen a lot of that, um, maybe any of that from anyone else. And I thought that was really cool. How did you decide to do that? Thank you. That's very, very sweet of you. And that it, it really touches my heart. And it's a special piece that was created. And how did I do it? Why did you decide to, or how did you decide to do that? Well, I'm, li I'm living vicariously in life and sensorially feeling things and going through emotions. And while I was traveling, that story is about my trip one summer in Monaco. And I then was able to incorporate it into poetry and then come back and then get it and then produce you know, a team of location, of the date, hair, makeup, styling, editor, cinematographer, cameras, lenses, like, you know, the vision as a director and captivating that moment and lifting it on screen to emulate, you know, that energy and body of work. 
And so that's kind of like the process of how it became. And when I was doing it, you never know. I didn't know I was going to rebrand during the pandemic. And I didn't know I was going to have it be a, a part of my poetry book, A Lover's Fairy Tale, which is available everywhere. I Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, and you know, my website, and a loversfairytale.com. And during the pandemic, I just decided to take my, my best favorite pieces out of thousands. And I selected 11 because my, you know, that's my going theme over here, the 11 number. And I selected 11 pieces and I had them in the poetry book. And I just so happened to have uh, spoken word music videos because they touched my heart so much, these pieces. So then I created an automation. I don't know if you signed up for my email list. If you go to chinakas.com, you sign up for my email list. It sends you an automation of my uh, lover's fairy tale playlist of these spoken word music videos so you can viscerally and sensorially see and feel in the essence of like where I was during that time in my life right and I when I was doing it I was just creating it I didn't reflect and know like I was going to rebrand and put it into a book but that's what happens when you birth and you just create something and you let it sit and simmer and it's in your garden and you go back and you're like, oh, I've been watering this beautiful garden and look at this rose bush. Oh, I've been nurturing that, you know, these succulents are just growing so beautifully on their own. They're just thriving with all these colors. So we sow seeds in life and we don't have the expectations of what's going to happen. We have the hope and we give it good energy and we feed it and water it and nurture just like relationships in life. And they take a life of their own and they, you know, mature and evolve and develop and we can witness them and nurture them or dismantle them or get rid of them or rake them if they're duds, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like the process of weeding out what doesn't serve us, toxic people, energies, and then through creativity, applying it to the canvas, putting it in poetry, putting it onto a podcast, sharing, caring with other people. So going with the garden theme, you can grow a lot of different vegetables, but there's no pleasing everybody. Nobody likes all of the vegetables. So my question is, most of the things that you do are things that people can look at and either like or not like based on who they are or what they're thinking at the time. How do you handle the feedback that you get, especially the feedback that's not in your best interest or as supportive as it could be? Mm, I don't really hear feedback that's not in my best interest or that's not supportive. I just think I'm at a different altitude and alignment where that doesn't exist for me. I'm a creator. So whether someone likes it or not, that's awesome because it inspired you. It inspired you to move away from something or it inspired you to move towards something. And that's that my job's done. I inspire people. I, I don't care about the outcome and the results. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a salesperson. I'm not here to coach you and tell you like sign up for my course and I have the best deal. No, I can show up to inspire you, to make you cry, to make you revolt, to make you excited, to make you want to share, to make you cringe, to make you judge me. So you're just seeing how you're judging yourself. So it's a mirror reflection, right? So that that's where it ends for me. When someone else is giving that buck or the back end, I'm in Bali on an island somewhere or I'm flying somewhere. Like I'm in the Dominican. I'm like, you know, already on to the next, you know what I mean? So that, that doesn't serve me at all. That's just people that my work is done. That's a part of my work. That's great. The ripple effect, the aftermath. You have done a lot of work and years of working in TV and film with uh, fellow actors such as Nicolas Cage, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, 
And you've started an award-winning web series called Couples Therapy. Yeah. Can you talk yeah. about that a little? Sure. Uh, yeah. Where do we start? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> let's say um, March 2020 happened. We all remember March 2020. And as a creator, I'm just like, I took, we can focus on one thing at a time. I just took my antenna and I just went down and I'm just like, okay, as a creative producer, director, artist, what can I do to create without anyone or anything getting in my way? No jumping hoops, no administration, filling out papers through the union, half, other, half the people were unemployed, laid off, everything was shut down. Nothing was moving. I can do comedy as Katie Chinakis. I can do comedy. If I play myself, I can do improv. If I'm doing scripted, it's non-union. If it's scripted, it's union. But if there's no script and it's situational comedy and you take bits, then I can be Katie Chinakis, like Ashton Kutcher did punk But then directors, producers, casting directors can see his brand, his it's funny, his personality to then want to hire him in a union project. I had to call the union because I, I didn't understand. It was so confusing. How come Ashton Kutcher can do reality, but then do union movies? So I found that out probably a decade ago. It was kind of like the very first time of me doing improv. I was putting all this energy out. And with all the projects I created with Alessandra Levy and Nikki Scorpio, my producing partners who are in the series with me, we're about to release season three pretty soon here actually. I was like, we're putting all this energy out. How can it be reciprocated? And I got on the caboose. I did the education, the researching, and I'm like, we can put it into international film festivals. It's 1000% relatable, Nikki Scorpio says, because we all can relate on an international level what happened. So it's being well-received and it's winning all these web series awards because it's dry, it's funny, it's kind of naughty, kooky, wild but it's relatable. We were all on some form of lockdown with our own imaginations, how, how other couples and how other family members could be during this time and kind of entertaining ourselves when we're thinking about other people's situation, right? Trying to get out of our own misery. <laughs> I think that's why people watch reality TV and they watch people on the TikTok because they can like laugh and be like, oh my God, like I'm not that crazy or I'm not that weird. Like I, I'm feeling kind of normal over here. You know, people just to do it just to kind of feel sane, you know what I mean? In a lighthearted way, because you can't, we can't be serious about everything, right? Mm -hmm. Shakespeare has that one famous quote, I'll botch it. But if everything's so serious and life's a tragedy, then it's like, you know, or you can look at, you know, some things as the comedy, right? When situational things happen. So that's kind of the birth of couples therapy and it's just taken a life of its own. So I'm really, really excited about, ecstatic about that and proud because we started getting all these certificates and awards and it felt so normal because I grew up running cross country. So I was on the announcements twice a week. I was in the local newspaper twice a week and I was receiving all these medals and placing first and competing and having meets twice a week. So it felt really good in full circle to get those accolades again and to be connected, to be like, yeah, that feels good. I'm going to keep empowering myself, which gives me confidence because that's the Katie that I know who gets awards. Katie, who's up for things where instead of me just putting all this stuff out, which is great and it affects people and impacts people for the ones who see it. But then how can I pivot, shift and scale to endow more confidence? How can I pivot, shift and scale to be 
seeing more to build my confidence, to feel more and to support myself. So then I can in turn support others and gift them more kindness and more compassion and more confidence. Right. Right. And so through empowering self, I can keep raising the bar, which then gives other people the opportunity to raise their bar and maybe see them and their higher selves, even if they can't see themselves and their higher selves and other people have done that for me. And so I appreciate that and lean into that and accept that and receive that. And there was a struggle before to receive and to allow, but that in parts coming with building confidence too, leaning into trust, leaning into intimacy, leaning and breaking down barriers of what that should look like and allowing it to be what it is now for you, for me, for the person tuning in. Mm -hmm. And we've talked on other podcasts about who, whom you are surrounded by, who are the people in your circle? Who are they? Who are the people that are on your support team? Tell me a little bit about who you like to have around you. Who are the people that you feel support you and help you move forward? Hmm. The people who support me. I want to say they're honest with me. And I'm honest with them. And some will like call you out in a way. And there's that mutual respect. Some will gently share things with you. Some won't because they're, they still love you. They're honoring your space, but they know. And I know we need to do our own work and we can only hold space for one another. So there's that mutual level of respect, but people who want to see you win and who support you, they're not judging you and cutting you down and putting you down. And I've never seen someone as successful as me or more successful than me picking on people and tearing them down. So if someone's being mean to me, I won't be around them. I, so many people have been mean to me my whole life. And I allowed people to be mean to me because we, at a young age, sometimes situations happen and we think that's normal. And we allow people to treat us a certain way, but then you kind of break generational trauma and you realize that doesn't make me feel good. It's actually making me cry and depressed and it's just ucky and it's unhappy. So if I'm in a situation, wherever I am, with family, with someone I just met, if anyone says anything to me, it's a script. It's a, it's a sentence, which is a script and says something, I don't even need to defend myself to them because it shows their character and who they are and how they feel about themselves. If someone's doing that to you, they're doing it 10 times more to themselves. So that tells me who they are. And it tells me that's my exit to leave, to remove myself from the situation. I respect and value myself and love myself and know my self-worth that I'm not going to dim my light and come down off my horse to make you feel better because of your own insecurities that you have going on that you don't have figured out. So I will do myself and you and the relationship we have a favor and remove myself because the kinship that I hold for another human, right? Forget the relationship we may or may not have just human to human. I'll need to remove myself because that's not my life work to, to, to be that for you. And maybe by walking away is a subtle energy for that person to be aware or not, but that's not my work, right? Everyone has their work of why they're here. That's not for me. 
So I walk away. I walk away from anyone who is mean or unkind, or even if they're talking about other people, because if they're around talking about other people, what do you think they're going to be doing about you when you're not around? No, thank you. I walk away. Excellent. I know you've been working as both an industry coach and a life coach. I'm wondering, did you have any mentors as you've gone through this process? Of course. Um, my dad ran cross country. He turned me on to cross country running. He was, my dad was my life coach. He taught me about short-term, medium-term, long-term goals. He put me into cross country running. I had coaches through my cross country career. I have voiceover coaches I work with in the morning and at nighttime. I have uh, voiceover coaches I work with every single day. When I have an on-screen audition for TV and film, I prepare everything. I do my craft. I show up prepared ready. I know my lines. I've made my choices. I know the tone of the show. I know the producers, directors, I've studied everything and I'll show up and my coaches will direct me and I'm coachable. All the best have coaches. Nicole Kidman is with Susan Batson, B-A-T-S-O-N, who I studied with in New York. And Nicole Kidman's never had a personal acting, uh, acting class. She's only done privates with Susan. So all the best actors are on set with coaches. So Mm -hmm. I coach people where I meet them, where they are. Everyone, some people are just starting. A lot of people are just starting. A lot of, so many people are just starting. Some people haven't even started yet. So many people are just so unaware, you know? So any information we can hold here, just hold space and allow a conversation and not judging it and allowing it to come out and start messy and one step at a time, you know, I'll give my clients like a Google doc and we'll do, you know, a a six month plan weekly, bi-weekly, you know, sometimes I meet with people once a month or once every two weeks. And it's, everyone has a different thing that they want to do and is working and going at different paces. Right. But it's being disciplined, honoring self by knowing your worth. And when you say you're going to do something like fold the laundry, it's not about if you actually fold the laundry, it's, you said, I'm going to fold the laundry. And then when you don't do it, no matter if it's, I'm going to make a million dollars or fold the laundry, you're telling your self-worth, you're telling your psyche, your self-esteem that I'm not a person of my word. I can't even trust myself to fold laundry, let alone make a million dollars. But if you do it and you're like, oh, I folded the laundry. I didn't want to do it, but it's done. You have that, that, that spike of, of serotonin. You have that spike of uh, a dopamine hit because you did it and you're proud. Like you did it. Like, I'm going to call someone. I called them. I, they didn't answer, but I left a message, but I called. It's that it's celebrating those little wins. And when you celebrate those little wins, they build and build and build. And then you have a, a, a little, you have a little, a little hill, and then you have a big gold mountain. And so it's giving those bids to yourself and bidding on those and dismantling like, oh, I said I was going to do this, but I didn't do it, but I'm going to clean it up. It's an interpersonal challenge. I said I was going to do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Okay but not be hard on myself that I didn't do it. I didn't do it, oh, but I'm aware that I didn't do it. I'm aware. And then I'm going to do it again. And I, I'm probably going to mess it up, but that's okay. I'm going to try it anyway. And then I do it and yep, I messed it up. It's okay, but I'm going to try again in two hours or tomorrow. And so just make it an interpersonal game. And then when you're doing something, hack it. Oh, if something's like zero to hero, when you get to like five, you're like, oh, I'm doing that thing. Okay, I'm going to pivot shift and go in this direction. I'm not going to self-sabotage and go in that direction, right? Instead of harping and being mean and crying, which those things will come out, but then catch yourself that you're doing it and you become gentler and more gentler each and every time. And we build compassion for self, which builds worth and self-esteem and trust. And when we do it with ourselves first, then we can apply it and it'll be a ripple effect out externally. Mm-hmm. Well, I know social media has been a, 
both a good and a bad thing where we can sit and compare ourselves to others and say, oh gosh, I should have been able to do that the first try. But I think it's also been very nice because we can see our favorite actors or actresses in outtakes and bloopers and go, oh gosh, they didn't get it right the first time. And they are human and they forget their lines just like I would forget my lines if I were doing that. I know you've worked with a bunch of different people. You worked on Law and Order and Cold Case and CSI New York and things like that. But how has how has your view, I guess, of yourself changed over time as you've looked at how confident you are, how prepared you are, and how much you're just like everyone else or different than everyone else? Through the journey of what you're saying, I've had so many emotions and so many quote unquote losses of projects I didn't book and so upset spirit and soul not understanding but understanding that what's meant for me is mine what's meant for you is yours there's a plentiful for everyone abundance and gold and riches no matter what it's it's limitless but when I look at my career of the roles I did book and the projects I was a part of and I reflect and I look back on my body of work I understand like that was meant for me that connected with my soul yeah, all these other ones would have been awesome too, but they weren't connected with my soul or my journey for some odd reason. And there's just the deep level of understanding and a knowing of respecting that and knowing like what's mine is supposed to be mine and appreciate the journey. For example, like my very first song when I was a teenager, my friend, I was in the South of France and he turned me on to Sade and I was listening to Sade, all these records. And then in 2001, I learned By Your Side. and I'm doing the, and Sade's always, that's my very first song I ever learned to sing, right? And she's always been like my very, like, like one of my number one favorite artists, like Mozart, Chopin, and Mariah Carey, but Sade. And now it's been, you know, two decades and I go and I, I'm going to do a cover because I'm listening to Sade and my soul's crying and speaking. And I'm like, I want to do a cover. And I haven't heard too many people do this cover. And it's the first song I ever learned to sing. So I'm looking up Sade. I was a couple of days ago. I'm going over the lyrics. I don't have to look them up. I know them. I know the melodies. So anyway, then I read the story of Sade and the story of the song. And I had no idea. And I was a kid. And look at me now, 20 years later. And I'm reading it. Shall I read it? Sure. It's uh, By Your Side, released January 12, 2021, is the lead single from Sade's fifth album, Lovers Rock, and the first new music video from the band since 1993. So she didn't do anything from 1993, then releases it in 2001, right? Uh-huh. Um, in the lyrics of the song, it's about loyalty in love whether romantic or platonic, Sade expresses the strength and significance of a lover, friend, pledging not to let them feel alone or suffer in isolation. Like I relate to that as a human. And as an artist, I totally relate to that. The brightly colored music video was directed by longtime collaborator, Sophie Muller, who said this of the video clip, it's like a metaphor of life because she has been away yet has this amazing life and has come back to deliver this album. This was meant to be a metaphor, like the flower, like she dropped by the road saying, here is my album. Then she made like she had gone through this strange journey, which is her life, but it is totally made into a beautiful, mysterious dream 
The song was very uplifting in that way. And when I see this soul's journey, nourishing, planting the seeds like a dream, right? When I came out with Dreamland 1111 and I'm a poet and I do metaphors and all of my poetry. And it's me telling myself by your side to another, but I'm really talking to my own soul and myself. Like, I'm not going to abandon you, although I have many times. I'm never going to really leave you, right? But I have to protect myself from myself, right? And so know thyself, like Socrates says, in your highest of your highs, in your lowest of your lows. So when I'm in my highest of my high, I even need to protect myself there because sometimes I can get so high on a horse that my expectations are so high, that my fantasy, that my illusion is so high, where it's not a grounded reality where I can really upset myself from expectations, you know? So I've had to really find that middle ground of a, a balance of homeostasis. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard when you're in a job or in a career where there are people that have to make a decision on whether or not they like you, want you, need you, whether you're a good fit for the part or anything, it, it can be very emotional. And you might have a part that you really want but don't get because they're going for a different look or a different sound. I know that you do a lot of voiceover work and you have to audition for that. And your voice is incredible. You have a very wide range of things you can do with it, but it still might not be what they were looking for. And uh, tell me a little bit about that, about how you accept the wins and losses within that. Yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult. I have to be frank with you. And um, I've cried a lot. I've journaled a lot. I've pent up a lot, but also I've always 1000% have kept this optimism, always keeping faith, always keeping optimism and knowing because you can go out for a million shots and not get one. And you have to be okay with that. And that's how I can show up and survive because I do it unconditionally because I love it. And when you love something, it's just, so if you just keep bringing the love and you just keep showing up, even if it feels like a million miles of no's, it's, it will, it just, it does. And it's, it's in a bigger way than I'll ever know. So it's this deep faith in the sense and this knowing, and also unhooking myself from slaving away, thinking I have to do something. I don't have to do this. I can throw in the towel on any level with anything and pivot and shift. So for example, my popular podcast, she's all over the place. First season, second season, third season, 23 episodes, like second and third season had videos. It would go for like an hour to an hour and 45 minutes. Season four, women empowerment series, Divine femininity, I want to endow in the strength of divine femininity and holding space for other women and other identifications of, you know, gender. For me to understand and enrich myself and hold space for that, I become a ripple effect for that where it's enriching and, ma and making me more powerful Then I can hold space for mother nature and other things that people could be questioning. And if I'm wondering about it, maybe other people are wondering about it. But also that, and then two, instead of 23 episodes, only 16, uh, no video, only audio, less graphics, less 
outsourcing. And instead of an hour and four hour, hour and 45 minutes, all the episodes are 30 minutes. So I literally just took the energy of a hundred and put it down to 40%. So I'm still doing it at the highest quality. I just cut all the fat out. So we can be doing something like you love someone, but yo, I took on 30 responsibilities and I was just doing it because I loved you. And I'm doing like, I was like one thing, two things now it's 30. It's like, whoa. And then, so when you explain to people, like, I need to like take off 28 things and I can help you with two things right now. People aren't going to want to hear it because they want your time and they're going to be upset. So sometimes you have to just not tell them and you just don't show up in that way and you can show up for yourself. And so you just kind of wean off of, um, I'm showing up for you for an hour. Well, guess what? Here I am after 30 minutes. Got to go. What? Where are you going? Thought you're still going to be here. Yep. I got another commitment. That's it. And your energy is that way, right? So you have to, we get to pivot, shift, pivot, shift, pivot, shift, not and tell the other person, I'm so mad. I'm not doing this with you anymore. Roar. You overstepped my boundaries. I'm feeling disempowered. I'm feeling chaotic. I feel like I don't know myself because of you. No, you allowed it. We allowed it. There's no blaming. That's ego. There's no blaming ourselves. It's not going to get you anywhere. It's stuck. No blaming another person. No blaming no blaming. Just get over it. Responsibility, the ability to respond. If I'm with someone, I don't want to be with them anymore. Start doing other things. When you love someone, you let them go slowly, gracefully. You know what I mean? You don't have to be like hitting them over a head. Ah, you know, while you're, because that's how you're feeling inside. You know, put it into a journal. Go for a run. Call your therapist. <laughs> have a coach. You know what I mean? But there's it's, 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 it's the evolved way to be kinder and more graceful, not only for others, for our life and our journey of why we're here. There's already stuff going on. How are we responding to it? Most of us are just reacting, right? But when we're aware that we're unconscious and we're just reacting from what we are told by our mothers, our fathers, our siblings, our partners, that's them. And I'm not those bag of emotions or how I was trained. I'm something new in five minutes. I want to shape shift into something. I don't know. I'm curious to find out. Let's start journaling. Let's start a podcast and start messy and just start talking and see what sticks, right? Exactly. You go on that journey. I love the fact that the podcast was called She's All Over the Place. And it, as I've read the things that you've done, it's like, oh, that's exactly, that is so fitting. You had a, an interesting one in there on headshots and people sabotaging themselves. And you had a very interesting line, the making sure you invest in yourself. And you, I thought that was a really important thing to point out that people need to invest in themselves in time and thought, care, and getting headshots or whatever it is that you need to improve and to gain that confidence. I thought that was a really cool thing. I haven't listened to all of your episodes yet, but I plan on listening. There's 68. You, don't, you haven't heard them all. <laughs> Come on, I'm John. Work, I'm working on it. But I do enjoy listening to the podcast and it's always fun and you're very animated. And so it's, it's very wonderful to listen to as, as you go forward. Is there something that you have yet to do that's on that horizon, a wish list, a bucket list, something that's waiting for you? Yeah. The number one thing I would love to do is be a household name and an animation series. So I want to be a household name and an animation series, a household name on a TV show. That's me. Okay. That's up for me next. And then, if God willing, if it's meant to be, producing a baby. 
<laughs> birthing a baby. I've been birthing DJ, modeling, Everything podcasting. Else. I've been birthing. So now it's time to birth, you know, mother nature, if it's meant to be for me. Well, yeah, wish, we'll see. I wish you luck on that one. Uh, as we go out here, is there one tip that you could give people to help them gain or maintain their confidence? Mm, I love what you said about the investing. So what I did was I would uh, pay for acting classes, pay for coaches, books, office supplies, material. I would, my time, my energy, what I was putting into my body, research, reading, like now podcasting, um, you know, talking to people. So education, the fundamental part that I was missing was wanting some miracle angel investor outside of myself a uh, quote unquote man's world, a businessman with millions of dollars just waiting to give me a couple hundred thousand or a million so I could live my sole purpose of my impactful dreams for humanity and my do gooding. And why wouldn't this person, these people, want to give me the millions of dollars so I could produce all these um, butterflies and fruitful things that are, that's going to make a world, the world a better place, which I think a lot of artists and people can identify with wanting to do that. But the, the transfer of energy and the communication, you know, there's, it, it gets mucky and the, the exchange of powers and um, safety and status and blah, blah, blah. So um, when I started actually breaking down that macro and I took the micro and I got myself an assistant and I actually trusted my internal team, that 5% really, really on the in, inside of my own heart. And I trusted and I invested the energy of cash, of money into the area that I didn't for over two decades because I wanted external validation from someone else to do it. The very thing I wanted to empower myself to make certain things happen I was wanting someone else to do it. Why would someone else want to do it for you if you're not going to do it for yourself? So when I made that subtle shift and I got on the caboose and I internalized on a monetary level because it's just energy, but I made it, it started birthing and I planted the seed and it started growing from within like an oak tree and just took a life of its own. And now it's like out there in, a, in such a cool way because I invested in the way I wanted someone else to invest in me. I decided to internalize that and invest it in myself, whatever that could be for you. So whatever you're wanting someone else to do for you, take your, fi take your fire and your power back and do it yourself. And when you do it yourself first, then other people can do it for you. But when you do it for yourself first, it's the initial internal sowing of the seed and then enjoying the fruits of the labor. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being with us today. I look forward to whatever it is that you do next. Thank you, John. Enjoy You're too. awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Today's tip of the day is that confidence is often gained through trial and error. So get out there and try Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. 
A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.